0: This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. The secret to emotional selling are one of the secrets. When I dumped the passion box on my bed, I discovered that metaphors is one of 14 brain triggers that triggers the emotion centers of the brain where decision-making happens.
1: Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equip you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now, your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to another episode designed to help you better lead at the top of your game. You know, persuasion is a powerful tool for any leader to possess. And did you know that there are 14 brain triggers that not only activate the emotion centers of the brain, but are also key to persuading others to follow your lead? If you master these triggers, you'll find it a ton easier to capture the attention of others and become unforgettable. On today's show, I'm pleased to have as our guest a fellow who is not only an expert on these brain triggers... But who also has one of the coolest names ever his name is james bond but his middle initial is i so james i bond (laughs) james is a former advertising exec for enterprise level corporations who evolved his career to become one of the leading behavioral management specialists uh, across the country he's also the author of the award-winning book brain glue, how selling becomes much easier by making your ideas sticky. One of the things that I loved about my conversation with James is his numerous examples of standout individuals such as yourself and companies who have used these triggers to gain a permanent emplacement in all of our minds. This episode will give you insights on how you too can use these triggers to persuade others when needed in your daily professional life. And remember to just stay tuned for two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. Welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. Boy, do we have a fantastic guest for you today and one that has one of the coolest names you'll ever hear, if I must say so myself. (laughs) We're so pleased to have on today's show James Bond, which is his middle initial is I, James I Bond, who is one of America's leading behavioral management specialists and the author of the award-winning book, Brain Glue, How Selling Becomes Much Easier by Making Your Ideas Sticky. So welcome to the podcast, James. Oh, thank you for having me, Karen. Nice to be here. Great no, to be here. Actually, it's your podcast is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, we are so pleased to have you. And I have mentioned that one of the reasons that I sought out you being a guest is because of some of the lessons you have in your book around selling and persuasion and influence and. These are skills that, you know, any leader who's trying to lead at the top of their game are, are needing to have. But before we delve into that, we'd love to learn just a sneak peek about you on a personal level. So just as much as you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, your background, your personal background, like where you, you grew up, a little bit of about your professional history and maybe any hobbies that you'd love to share that you have? Sure. Well, I'm originally from Montreal, Canada.
0: And I've lived in Southern California for 34 years. And the reason I know that is because we have a son and three daughters. And our middle daughter, we gave her the initials LA, Lauren Asia, A-J-A. So we'd remember that every time people asked, like, how long have you been in California? We'd go like, oh, it's Lauren again. So that really works. (laughs) So thank you, Lauren. Lauren's our (laughs) awesome daughter. Well, all our kids are awesome. Let me start there. (laughs) Yes, let's go
1: back and say that all your kids are awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we are awesome, awesome. But uh, I ran an advertising agency in Montreal and I worked my way up and eventually won some of the world's biggest clients, Kraft Foods, Timex Watches, Avon Cosmetics, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters is in Montreal. But then I had an opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in America with powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then I saw the campaign that won and it terrified me. And it was, this is your brain, the guy holding an egg, cracking the shell, dropping the egg into a sizzling frying pan. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? And it terrified me. And the reason it terrified me was I'm an expert. I'm considered an advertising whiz kid. I am just work with so many of the world's top companies. And yet this was emotional selling, not logical. And I'm a logical person. And so I was just, you know, I just freaked out. I like had sleepless nights. But then the scientists in me came out and started thinking, wait a second, could emotional selling be something I learned? And so I had a three by five card where I wrote the words, your brain on drugs. So I'd remember that ad because it was terrifying and fascinating me at the same time. And then I got this idea. What if I create a passion box where every time I see an ad or hear something that's emotionally incredible, not logical, emotionally incredible and uh, persuasive, that I drop it in the box in the hopes that eventually all these examples will help me understand how to create emotional selling for myself and for my students. I do lots of work with the U.S. Small Business Administration, etc. And after 10 years of putting these incredible ads and quotes, because quotes also are powerful, in the box, uh, something struck me like a bolt of lightning. I met John Gray uh, at this convention. And he's telling me how his book, which is one of the best relationship books ever written, it was called Men, Women, and Relationships, sold only a few thousand copies. And he was frustrated. And he got this crazy idea. What if I changed the title to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus and tweaked the content a little bit so it's consistent with the title? Guess what happened? (laughs) From a few thousand No, no. You won't believe how many he sold. Almost overnight, half a million. Then a million. Then two million. Then five million. You know how many books he sold? 50 million copies of his book, 50 million. In my book, I describe it, I say 10 million. And his uh, people that help him on, on marketing said, no, no, you're way off. It's 50 million. We just passed 50 million books sold. So he went from a few thousand to 50 million just because he changed the title. And I was like, I thought I was going to you know, throw up. It's like, wow, <laughs> that happened? And so I took my passion box and I dumped it on my bed. You know, I discovered first when I wrote the uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, I realized that he used a metaphor. I mean, men aren't really from a different planet. At least I don't think we are. All you ladies out there, you might think we're from a different planet. And there's plenty of reason why you think that. But I realized that is metaphors the secret to emotional selling or one of the secrets? When I dumped the passion box on my bed, I discovered that metaphors is one of 14 brain triggers that makes it, you know, that... Triggers the emotion centers of the brain where decision making happens, and it makes it much easier to get people to, you know, for your what you're saying uh, and what you're selling to resonate with people. And I talk about a lot of selling, like how products and all that stuff. I ran in Southern California, one of America's leading behavioral management firms, and we work with leaders, senior execs, and major companies. You know, we work with uh, Warren Buffett. Brought uh, me in. His team brought me in when he started buying companies so he would personally own them because he wanted to explode the, the revenues and growth and he wanted to build the leadership. I work with senior comp- major companies like Amgen, the world's bio- largest biotech company, Gannett Media, uh, just tons of companies, and, uh, and senior management at you know, most of them. And I recognized that persuasion, you know, we're all selling. You and I were talking about it just before this, but er- everything is selling. You know, if you want to get your kids to bed, you got to sell them unless you better go to bed, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just a so selling, but persuasion is really powerful. It helps us get better jobs. It helps us get jobs. Yeah. You know, persuasion helps us get uh, coworkers and bosses to buy into our ideas. You might have a fantastic idea, but if you're not good at explaining it, the people say, no, no, we're not interested. When you're saying, but it'll change the company, you know? Yeah. Example, the people at uh, Xerox Park, you know, that invented all the computer stuff that Steve Jobs stole, okay? And he used it and he suddenly built the launched the computer industry. You know, they work for Xerox Park, and they were trying to, you know, somebody must've been really terrible at persuading bosses because they had a, a breakthrough and instead Xerox, you know, kind of, Disappeared out of the industry. I mean, I guess they still exist because people have Xerox machines, but they could have dominated the computer industry, which has taken over and exploded over the world. That's so right. persuasion is so powerful, and I started to realize that you know, like uh, this is your brain on drugs. Any question is a metaphor. You know, right. metaphors is one of you know these fourteen power tools that help you to get stuff done. I was thinking of this just as we got on. Like metaphors are things like uh, we'll often say. You know, they use tools
1: like the Achilles heel. It's your Achilles heel, you know, or yeah. the Trojan horse. I have. But this it resonates strength. and people understand what you're talking about when you use those exactly, metaphors. exactly. Yeah. And so I have a
0: friend, and he's struggling about how miserable his life is and everything else. And I said, because I stole this metaphor, I said, you can't live your life looking in the rearview mirror. You'll never get to where you want to go. You need to, you know, you need to look forward. Where do you want to go? And interestingly, as I said that to him, he goes. I don't really know. He said, well, come on. Well, you've been so busy focusing on the rearview mirror. You know, you have no clue where you want to go. Let's figure out. Let's get you to start looking through the front windshield instead of rear rearview mirror. Where do you want to go in life? And it just opened up a whole, you know, discussion about stuff that was profound for him. And yet he never thought about it. In fact, I saw this guy who had a t-shirt that said, life sucks and then you die. And I'm going like, no, no, this is life right now. It's like we have an opportunity to have fun, to to enjoy life, to be fascinated by it. And it, not that, 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 although I do know a few people that can use that T-shirt, by the way, life sucks and then you die. But it's so much fun. That's, that's when I got into Brain Glue. I loved it because I got to experiment on clients, which is always fun when you're a consultant, you know? Yeah, percent right? of what we do is stuff we know works and 20% we're experimenting. It kind of is a good idea. Let's see how it works. Now I have sales exploding,
1: which is fun. But it just well, yeah. Kind of it sounds like it, and you've had such great success with it. But let's dig, pull back the layers of the onion just a little bit. So, what are some of the key success factors of persuasion? Because uh, you know, we have a lot of most of our audience are corporate leaders. There are a few entrepreneur leaders, but corporate leaders, and they're trying to. Play out, you know, the office politics and cut the red tape and all that kind of stuff. But what are the key success factors that help individuals become better influencers? Uh, there's a core tool called reintegration—not reintegration, but
0: reintegration. i have never heard of that. Yeah, it's. I talked to psychologists, and they go, "We haven't heard of it." I was teaching you make this. Make that up, James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had, I had these uh, these uh, PhDs. They actually call them PsyDs now in psychology. And I said reintegration. Not reintegration. And one of them pulls out her her phone and starts looking it up. Is this a real term? You know. And then she says, Oh, look at that! It is a real term. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> reintegration is the brain's need for completion. It's why we watch crappy movies and TV shows till the end. Okay. I go into the living room. My wife is watching a TV show, and I said, "Is this any good?" She said, "Not stupid." I said, "Well, why are you watching it?" So "I want to see how it turns out." <laughs> okay, got it. Redintegration is why we like symmetry. Okay, it's my it drives my wife nuts. She's more aware of it than me. But some guy has a lazy eye or something. If you cover half his face, he looks like one thing, like one person. You cover the other half, he looks like another person. That drives her nuts. She says, "Look at that guy's face. It's driving me nuts." And it's because. We like symmetry, okay? In fact, I'll give you a secret on this. So Marilyn Monroe used asymmetry, okay? Which a lot of people don't know is how she became super famous. How? Cindy Crawford became super famous doing this also, okay? So Marilyn Monroe, she was originally Norma Jean. I forget what her last name was. Norma Jean something, okay? And her agent said, uh, you should actually change your name to Marilyn. And her, I think it's her stepfather's name Monroe. So she had Marilyn Monroe, which is, by the way, a brain glue tool alliteration, ma-ma, Marilyn Monroe, like table topics, like, you know, trick or treat, you know, like uh, uh, Coca-Cola, PayPal, right. no, TikTok. Is it a coincidence that they use alliteration or repetition of sound? Yeah. No, they know it sticks to the brain. So Marilyn Monroe worked. And she loved Jean Harlow, who back then in the early days of film, film industry was a big star. And Jean Harlow had platinum blonde hair, So Marilyn actually got the same hairdresser that dyed Jean Harlow's hair to dye her hair exactly the same color. But Marilyn had a beauty mark on her face and she's covered up with makeup. But one day she's looking at Jean Harlow, photographs of Jean Harlow, and she notices Jean Harlow has a beauty mark on her face, on her cheek. But sometimes it's on her chin, not on her cheek. And she goes, wait a second. I bet she doesn't even have a beauty mark. I think she's just darkening her, putting a dot on her face to bring attention to herself. Right. So Marilyn started darkening instead of hiding the beauty mark on her face. And she believes that it helped her become super famous. She was famous, but it helped her become super famous. Cindy Crawford, the supermodel Cindy Crawford is the same. She had this, she has a beauty mark above uh, her lip on the on left that. side. Yeah. You're nodding your head because you, you even show me where it is. Everybody knows. <laughs> okay. When she was a little kid, she begged her mom, mommy, please, can you get this removed? Take me to the doctor. And she says right now, I am so glad my mom didn't get it removed. I believe it had a huge part in my becoming a supermodel. What made me think of that was there's an early advertiser who's really famous. And he did advertising for Hathaway shirts, which by the way, Hathaway eventually got bought by Warren Buffett. And that's why it's called Berkshire Hathaway, okay? Because of Hathaway shirts. But So what he was doing advertising for uh, Hathaway shirts. And so when you look at a shirt, if you're doing advertising for shirts like in a magazine, what would you do? You have a good-looking guy wearing a, the, one of the shirts with a nice pair of pants, maybe in a nice background. Okay, He did that, but he realized that's the same as David Ogilvy. That's what the advertiser's name is. David Ogilvy is really famous. and He said, let me put an eye patch on the guy. The guy's not a pirate, but I'll put an eye patch on him. We'll call him the man with the Hathaway shirt. Okay? And you'll flip it through a magazine, magazine, and you get, wow, a guy with an eye patch on? What's that all about? And it just catches your attention. Because you it
1: differentiated looking. him from others, right? In exactly. the same genre. So
0: yeah. You know, could tell a Hathaway shirt ad a mile away because it's a guy with an eye patch on it. But that made me start thinking, and that was at church one day and I saw this woman with a really huge uh, beauty mark. I said, well, I wonder if beauty marks is like uh, using asymmetry, you know, the opposite of symmetry. And I started doing some research and I started really, whoa, Marilyn Monroe and Cindy Crawford, they already know this. We're dumb. We are clueless. We don't know this, but they're actually using asymmetry. There's a joke that goes, uh, asymmetry also works with humor. Uh, Comedians love it. They'll tell you a line, but they'll end it with something that surprises you, Okay. Because we already know what to expect, and, and so fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, congratulations. It's like wow. what? I thought it was going to be fool me twice, shame on me. And so, like that little twist grabs attention enough that people it stands out. I mean, this is a world where we're so com- overcommunicated, over bombarded. I I heard one of your talks, one of your interviews where you're talking to a recruiter or how to how to get better jobs, and it's like that even and advertising and getting a job, whatever else is you're competing against all these gazillion other people or a gazillion yeah. other ideas or a gazillion other products. And so when you're presenting something, you know, it people are half asleep they, they, you don't realize it, but people are half asleep. You know, you're talking to your boss and you don't realize he's like dealing with the fact that maybe his wife is going to go through a divorce or maybe they just lost a big client. Maybe they want a big client and he's not sure how they're going to service them. Maybe, you know, Maybe he's, got the, you know, maybe he's got pain he's got in his uh, stomach and he's worried. And you're talking, about, hey, boss, I got this great idea. And he's going, okay. It looks like he's listening, but he's not listening. If you use a brain trigger, it works. In fact, you, have, you use a brain trigger and you are brilliant on it. It's shockingly different leadership. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and you're right because you're waking up the brain. You' know, That's you're exactly up why like, we
1: uh, used it.
0: yeah, yeah and for you, our you, you understand that you're competing against all these people, and no matter how great your product is, it's like "Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus. "Men, Women in Relationships" was a fabulous book. but without a great title, nobody's going to read it.
1: you know? With so a how great title, you,
0: only every. How you're can in a you sport.
1: Individual Sorry. use that, though. if I'm trying to present a presentation or idea to the C-suite. Uh-huh. How can an individual use either asymmetry or differentiation? How do you build that in? Is it something conscious that you build in to catch their attention up front? Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. Right. Is that what That's you're trying why you to do? If you go through brain okay. glue, it's got examples, lots of examples, then an exercise so you can actually apply it. And people are, I did uh, Jack Canfield. Oh, sorry, I forgot your name, Jack. Jack <laughs> Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and he sold 500 million books can you imagine Five, half a billion books you know 100 million chicken soup for a soul and 400 million of the other chicken soup chicken soup for a teenage soul chicken soup for a cancer survivor soul stuff like that so he doesn't need me telling him anything but he see he was pissed at me he said i started reading your damn book and i couldn't put it down it was ridiculous i got so many books to read and i, couldn't, I was, i'm i'm apologizing i'm sorry can i use that as a quote you know and he says yeah and there's a whole story behind that. I'll tell you that in a second. But So when we're presenting an idea, so you could use metaphor analogy. I'll use Warren Buffett because so many people love Warren Buffett. Certainly all the media love Warren Buffett. And part of why they love him is because he loves analogies and metaphors. So his one of my favorite lines. Only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked. Wow, Yes. What's he saying? He's basically saying only when times get tough do you realize who's really capable and who's not capable. That's right. But when you say it as a metaphor, whoa, it's, it resonates, you know, it sticks to the brain. And it's true. You know, only when the tide goes out, hey, look, that guy's naked, you know? Yeah. But it resonates and it helps you understand, you know, how powerful it is. You know, things like I think I talked to you about this before, but Achilles heel, Trojan horse. You know, there are things that we say that when we explain something, so The movie Jaws was a blockbuster. And so when they tried to sell movie Alien, they said it's just like Jaws, but in space. It's Jaws. Think of us as Jaws in space. And people went, oh, okay. You know, of course, the investors. Well, we want a Jaws-type movie. If You're going to make that kind of money. And they invested in it. And so analogies and metaphor are one of many powerful tools. I'll give you another tool, creating expectation, okay? And so there are a lot of, you know... uh, Michael Jackson was the king of pop. pop, yes. (laughs) Muhammad Ali was the greatest. I am the greatest. Well, Muhammad Ali said, I am the greatest. And it affected, guess who it affected more than anybody else? Him. Yeah. He said, by telling the public I am the greatest, I suddenly raised the bar that I better raise up to the bar. Otherwise, they're going to start laughing at That's right. And so it forced me to be better than everybody else. And he is very, you know, you talk about uh, being uh, intellectual. and He's very, he was very intellectual. He's probably the most intellectual uh, fighter around. And so the things he would say, you know, just resonated so much. So the setting expectations. So if I said, okay, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to feel like you've heard it before, but just give me a chance. Because about 30 seconds into this thing, you're going to start to go, whoa, okay. And then I start telling you something, I'm setting the expectation. So it's easier for you to accept. I had this thing. Huh, I was in a networking group, a uh, high-end networking group. And I wanted to connect with this guy who's an investment banker, very high-end investment banker, worked with of the you know, huge, just uh, over a billion dollar fund and all that stuff. And in the company, uh, in the uh, networking group, we put our profile. So I put my profile and I was talking about like brain glue and I want to talk about how you do behavior change. And he said, oh yeah, I saw you're, you're a consultant. I said, no, no, I'm not a consultant. I've got this. He said, no, 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 don't worry about it. You're a consultant. Anyway, what do you want to talk about? And it's like, no matter what I said, he, I couldn't get past the fact that I'm not a consultant. I'm a behavioral management specialist, and I've got this thing, okay? And so I got mad, and I wrote in capital letters, I am not a consultant, okay? In capital letters and friends. Yeah. Then I, put my, I left my bio there. And I remember I was sitting in a group, and somebody said, so describe who you are. And somebody says, he's not a consultant, so he must have read my bio. But it just it set the expectation. And when you set the expectation, it's so powerful that you can use tools that, you know, that suddenly explode, uh, that make it easier for people to accept what you're saying.
1: But before to you into that tool, tool, there was one thing that you mentioned I, w- I want to make sure we get to. The, what are the trigger words that sabotage persuasion? Because I want people to know what can sabotage your persuasion efforts as well. And that's very important to know. I want to give a personal example first. Okay. okay? All right.
0: Uh, so I have a son and three daughters, and our oldest daughter has uh, three kids, and they're young. The oldest is like five or six years old. And the middle daughter, they were at a park, and the oldest daughter, the son and the, the daughter, our granddaughter, hit something and fell unconscious. Oh, man. And they were freaked out, and her brother was freaked out, okay? I and So they helped her they, and everything else, and she came to. And then my daughter turned to uh, Thatcher, our, son, our our grandson, and said, don't worry, she wouldn't have died. And then she realized, oh, my God. And he was like, huh? you know, by using that word, he wouldn't have died. She wouldn't have died. It would have been, been OK. He wasn't even thinking of that.
1: Right. And she right. planted
0: the seed in his mind. And she said, I felt terrible because you can't take it back once you say it, you know. And so. But as soon as, as soon as she said that, don't worry, your sister wouldn't have died, she planted the, the idea in his mind that couldn't be removed that terrified him. And so we have to remember that there are certain things we're going to say that will have a profound impact. So let me give you a perfect example. I did Dale Carnegie and Toastmasters. I learned how to talk. In fact, my wife said they taught him how to talk. They just didn't teach him how to shut up. So <laughs> thanks, man. Anyway, that's wise. What can I say? Okay. But that's why I wrote the book. I get to talk. <laughs>
1: Hey, you should tell her. That's what
0: attracted you to her. So she's got the love So I don't think it'll work But anyway, but uh, Toastmasters has a really profound tool that we all need to use, and it's called a sandwich. And it works this way. If I want to criticize somebody, you always say something positive, then give your feedback, and then give a positive. And so in Toastmasters, they would say something like, you know, you're a fabulous speaker. You always have such interesting talks. But you know, you were looking at the left side of the room and not the right side of the room, and it, it almost felt like you were talking to them and not to us. But otherwise, uh, I can't wait to hear your next talk. I just find it so interesting. So what did I do? I criticized you, but I sandwiched it in such a way that you felt. You know, not, I didn't say you're stupid. You know, you're just a, a terrible talker. you just like you always look at the left side of the room. do you look at the rest? Of, what about the rest of the people in this room? You know, by saying that, it affects us differently, and so. It's important for us to understand that you know, there's a pattern to how we communicate. And when you become more effective in how you communicate, you know, it becomes easier to lead people. It becomes easier to get people to buy your products and services, your ideas. You know? I mean, and I'll give you, so let me give you another tool of, uh, of brain glue that's really powerful. Okay. And it's, it's humor, but it's, here's how it works, okay? Humor is very important. I've got two friends who are in the top 100 attorneys in the country. One of them is top 10. And both of them, I was talking to them about this as I was going through brain glue, and they kind of went like, okay, you figured us out, okay? They tell jokes or get the, when you go into a trial, they would actually get uh, the judge and the jury laughing at some of the things they say. And when you can get them laughing at some of the things you say, they become much more responsive to what you're saying, and you have a better chance of getting a not guilty or whatever you're trying to process. And they said that it's it's a secret that we use, but it's tra- tra- tremendously powerful and the reason is because there are two chemicals that go through our body for, that get triggered by our brain. there's uh, cortisol and oxytocin, and cortisol is the fight or flight drug, basically, okay It's like if I piss you off, you're going to be mad, and it stays in the bloodstream for up to thirty six hours. so if you know you're talking to your boss, a man or woman, let's say a, a woman, and her husband did something that pissed her off or he's thinking of divorce. For 36 hours, she may be totally unresistant or totally resistant to what you're presenting. You know, you say, hey, look, I got this great idea. I don't want to hear about it. Like, go away. You know, you may not be that, but even subtly they're acting that way. It's like, okay, tell me what it is. No, we're not interested. Okay. And, but oxytocin gets triggered by two things by jokes and by something really, really fascinating. It's engaging. That's a Mm -hmm. tougher one, but jokes are easier, okay? I was doing a turnaround of a martial arts equipment company, and when you're doing a turnaround, you know people are afraid they're going to lose their job. The owner's afraid he's going to go bankrupt. He's going to have to, you know, everybody's afraid. And so I started with this joke, and I said, I don't know why I came up with this joke, but they tortured me with this joke, okay? (laughs) Because I said, I worked with them for over a year. So I said, so the maintenance man is hiding in the maintenance closet, and whenever people would come close, he would open the door and scream, supplies, you know, not surprise, supplies. Da,
1: da, 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 da. <laughs> okay,
0: so during the year that I was working with them, I'd look inside somebody's office and I'd see somebody with tremendous stress on their face. You know, I don't know if we didn't have enough product or if uh, they had an unhappy customer or whatever it was. Okay, we didn't have enough supplies, but I could see stress on their face. Maybe it was something personal. I'd look mm-hmm. through a window. So I'd open the door and say, hey, how's it going? And almost every one of them would go, supplies and you see their body language change you yeah. know because part of when we're doing a turnaround we want people to be as creative as possible yeah. And when you're stressed it turns you're off creativity. Sure. And so you want to trigger oxytocin in the bloodstream so and the way you do it is with a joke or whatever else i got a great joke sorry i gotta run this one by you i'm a sort of religious person okay and so mommy is sitting there and a little girl comes up to him and uh, comes up to her and says. Mommy, I don't understand. You say we came from Adam and Eve, but Daddy says we came from apes. And she says, Daddy's talking about his family. I'm talking about my family.
1: Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I like that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun.
1: Um, I mean, it's like
0: when you, when you tell a joke, you know, I'm terrible at joke telling. I'll do conferences with this U.S. Small Business Administration. I'll have like 300 or 500 people there. And I'll, I'll tell them, I'm, you know, I'll try a joke and I'll be really bad. So they'll come up to me sometimes and they'll give me a joke. Oh, at an intermission, you know, tell this joke. This will be easy. You won't mess it up at all. And I still mess it up. So, but
1: people well, laugh, know what so I it, think about know. humor, though? I think that it just disarms individuals. It's a connection tool to others. It quickly gains opens the doors to relate. It's authentic. And to your point, it de-stresses people in the moment.
0: It makes that, them much more receptive, hard. too, to yeah. your ideas. I mean, I think it's sad that people like uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock, they don't do colleges anymore because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody.
1: Mm. You know? It's you like, got to go for it. You can't. Humor
0: you is the bad. best medicine. Co- humor just, is the best medicine. Physically physiologically, you live longer. I mean, I was telling you, I saw a guy with a T-shirt that said, life sucks, and then you die. No! This is fun right now. you got to have fun right now. I mean, I, bad things are going to happen to you. I got that. OK, it happened to all of us. But, you know, you have to recognize this is life. This is this is not practice. It isn't like we're practicing for the next one. although it might be. You know, that's after we die. But it's just what you want to do is, you know, enjoy life and share joy with other people. And when you, know, when you do that, I, you know, people love me being a consultant for their company because I'm always telling jokes. I seem like, you know, I focus on quality of life for people. Yeah. Instead of, lay, you know, we have to, they're going to lay off like about, you know, a hundred people or something like that. I'm going like, let's figure out how to fo- solve this so we don't have to lay anybody off. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes you have to, if it's hard times or whatever else, but just people at least accept the fact that I love this, that uh, Costco, I work with Saul Price, who was a founder of Price Club that eventually merged into pa- Costco and all that stuff. And then the guy who started Costco used to work for Saul Price. And Costco is the highest paying retailer that's out there. Okay. They're the highest paying retailer. They have benefits and everything else. People go, and yet it sells the cheapest products. How can that be? How can they pay people so much and they they sell cheap products? And it's because he figured out the process. And the process is you want to have employees that love working there, that they feel like we're all partners. We're all in it together. And when you can do that, you know, few companies have one guy. I mean, even Steve Jobs, I always love saying this in big conferences. Who wants to work for a jerk? Raise your hands. Come on. Who wants to work for a jerk? Oh Nobody. come on! Somebody who's going to steal your idea and pretend it's his own. Come on, raise your hands. Come on, who wants to work for you know someone who's going to humiliate you in front of coworkers? Come on, raise your hand. And then I show a photograph of Steve Jobs, which he did a lot of that. Okay, he did it. But ton. they loved working for him because he was passionate and he was changing the world, and they're changing the world. Yeah. You know, and so that's you know those things are really important. It's like when you get deeper into understanding like the what is you know profound. Okay, but and then and that's where brain glue comes. How do you explain it in a way that people go like, "Whoa, that's a oh, oh, I like that." And I'll go back to the movie Alien. You know, you know, we're gonna give you Jaws in space. They went Jaws in space. Oh, that's really cool. You know. Then he goes to his wife. You know, the guy if it's a guy or a girl. You know, and they say, uh, "Hey, yeah, I'm uh, investing in a movie that's Jaws in space. Jaws in space. Oh, wow, that's interesting. So it's gonna be like you're gonna have sharks. Well, not sharks are gonna be, but it's like you know." It's easier to explain. And that's it's the biggest resonated. problem people have is, so I want to give you an example also of something else that relates to this. Okay, well, real quick, because we, I, we want to give you one more question before we wrap up. Okay, so we also want to understand perspective. That's why Jaws in Space is powerful, because you want to give people perspective. I love this line. So people say, Americans discard 2.5 million plastic bottles every hour. Wow, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It does every it's hour. Plastic bottles every hour. That's enough to reach the moon every three weeks. That's a I know, too, but that's like terrifying to me. But I gave you perspective because when you throw a number at people, they go, oh, yeah, it sounds like a lot, you know, like 2.5 million plastic bottles every hour. But how much is that? If I tell you it's enough to reach the moon every three weeks, oi, oh, wow. <laughs> that is frightening. You know, but now you give them perspective. And a lot of times we're going to say something with a, and people are going to nod their heads, but we don't realize that they don't understand what we're saying. And that's why it's important to focus on perspective. Because if you give them perspective, then you can even see it in their face. They go, like, Oh, interesting.
1: So, right. Well, well my final question for you, Jane so, thank you so much for those great stories and examples. They are so clear for um, our listeners. But um, what we always like to do is hear from our guests on which of the execution tactics that I write about in my book resonate with you. And you were so kind to share that you really love leading with intellectual horsepower. And for any new listeners, leading with intellectual horsepower is all about using your areas of expertise to kind of peek around corners and to spot trends or opportunities that others miss. So I'm just curious for you, James, why does leading with intellectual horsepower resonate for you? Because it's not what people say, but what they mean that's important.
0: And we have to understand intellectually, you know, we get the greatest ideas intellectually, but we also have to understand that how we understand it and how they understand it is often very different. And so that to me, right. it's but the intellectual level that you're going to get the best ideas, the best results, the best understanding of like, wow, look at what we could achieve. And, but you also want to be able to communicate that. So yeah, to me, it's the concept of intellectual horsepower, leading with intellectual horsepower. That's what leadership is all about. You want people to follow you. You don't want to be pulling people. You want to be like Steve Jobs, (laughs) you know? I mean, he was just, you know, people go like, oh, that's what we're doing. We're inventing,
1: we're changing the world. Yeah. And they did. And you had people that were fanatics, you know, around Steve, so... All right. Well, we will have all the information about Brain Glue in the show notes, James, but really quickly, can you let people where they can find, on what platforms they can find your book? Amazon, anything else? Yeah. Amazon is
0: the easiest place to find it. If you go to braingluebook.com, it'll take you right to the Amazon page. You don't have to search around for it. And then, you know, we've got an audiobook too, so you can listen to samples. Amazon lets you listen to samples and look at parts of the book too. And so- Hopefully you buy it. (laughs) But even if you don't, you're gonna look at it and it will give you all the different brain glue tools. And I think it you know it resonates with lots of people. They recognize like this is powerful stuff.
1: All right.
0: Well, is an easy way to find it.
1: Okay. Well, we will definitely have all the information in the show notes. Listeners go out and definitely get your copy of Brain Glue. You won't be disappointed. James has a ton more examples in his book, just like he shared our here on the podcast. And thank you, James, for the gift of your time and insights today. We really appreciate you.
0: Oh, Karen, thank you so much. This
1: was lots of fun. Oh, wonderful. And thank you too, listeners. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with James Bond, author of the book, Brain Glue. Links to his bio, his entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of persuasive emotions. Now, we all know that emotions are complex, right? But psychologists say that we only have six basic emotions, which are happiness, anger, sadness, fear, surprise, and disgust. And all of our other emotions that we have are really built from these six basic emotions. For example, jealousy stems from a combined feeling of anger or sadness, while satisfaction is actually a type or a degree of happiness. Scientists have discovered that the thoughts that cause emotions usually answer questions like the following. One, is what happened unexpected? Two, is what happened enjoyable? Three, is what happened going to make it easier or harder for me to get what I want? Four, can I take control of what happens next? Five, will I be able to cope? Six, does what happened match with what I think is right or wrong? And seven, is what happened my fault or someone else's? And so I encourage you to take the time to learn more about the role of emotions in decision making, because this would definitely be time very well used. Add it to your task list, and I'll also include a few resources in the show notes to get you started. But I hope today's info helps jumpstart your thinking a bit. And if you'd like to learn more about developing leadership in action, we have more information on our programs on the web at developingyourgame.com. Thanks again for joining this episode. Please remember to subscribe and share with a friend and continue to have a fantastic week and to lead at the top of your game. Thanks for listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes, with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N, And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.